It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 152, the podcast that looks at news and culture from all over the world from a Christian perspective. Uh, thanks to all of you who've been in touch. And I do have some feedback uh, this week and some of your news items I want to share. But I'll tell you what, let's begin with, I would be so impressed if any of you actually know who this band is or what this song is. But just listen to this for a minute. Red coats in the village. Fighting in the streets The Indians and the mountain men Are talking when they meet The king has said He's gonna put a tax on tea That's the reason y'all Americans drink coffee Are you going to the party? Going to the Boston Tea Party That is the sensational Alex Harvey Band, a band 1970s uh, Scottish, uh, a bit unusual, and that was their song about the Boston Tea Party. Now, last week we spoke about tea and there was some very interesting feedback for that. Um, Tea started a war, wasn't it? The taxation for tea started the uh, American War of independence as it is uh, called well who knows i mean wars will be fought over we're gonna as we go through this you'll discover perhaps a very unusual product that we may find a war being fought over but meanwhile the tea thing reminded me of one of my favorite jokes ever um, why don't communists like jasmine tea because property is theft Ah, never mind. All right, we're going to begin with um, a report which was issued, and it's it's in- incredibly serious at one level, but well, at, a, at every level actually, it's incredible, incredibly serious. But I think it it shows some of the weakness in how people in the church respond to things. So there's a report being issued by the Australian Anglican Church. Now, the Australian Anglican Church is not. Um, New South Wales Anglicans. The Australian Anglican Church is much more broad. The New South Wales Anglican are part of that, but they're much more conservative and evangelical. Now, this report was put out with press releases and headlines, which were used in the press here, used on the television, and I see have been used by the Church Times in England with the headline that you are more likely to be abused if you are uh, an Anglican woman. So the the headline for the Church Times articles is Australian women more likely Ang- Australian Anglican women more likely to suffer domestic abuse. Now that's the headline, and I'm afraid it was the headline that was given them by the church. But there's lots of things that are wrong with that, and I, I can't go into it all. I've written a uh, a report on it. I actually read the report. The original report. So let me just give you some basic statistics here, some basic information. 
IPV, or what they call inter-intimate partner abuse, exists. One in three Australian women over 15 report they have been sexually abused or violently assaulted. One woman per week in Australia is murdered by a partner or former partner. It is a deep sickness within the culture. Does it exist within the church? Yes. Do churches need to be more aware of and supportive to those who suffer from domestic violence? Absolutely. Do people sometimes use the Bible, misuse the Bible, in order to justify their own sin? Sadly, far too often. But this study does not show that Anglican women are more likely to be abused. And it does not show that it's because of the teaching of the Bible, which is the implication of the reporting. So let me just give you, the, the methodology is completely flawed. It's completely flawed. It's a limited number of people self-selected. Only 20 people were actually interviewed. And there are statistics that were just not reported, like a third of Anglican men claim they've been abused. The definition of abuse is so wide that nagging would count as abuse. I would argue that our secular and religious progressives teach doctrines which result in much more abuse, and I've given loads of examples of that in the article. I've listed so many people. I mean, this this is an issue that is deeply personal for me, and and, and, in pastoral ministry, there was not a year go by, hardly a month went by when we didn't have to deal with this. The 16-year-old girl groomed by a 60-year-old church leader. A young woman who wasn't allowed, who wasn't sure whether she was allowed to marry again after her extremely abusive marriage broke up. A woman traumatized by memories of her boyfriend compelling her to have an abortion. A woman who was beaten in public so badly by her boyfriend that the police were called. And I'd intervened, and because I'd intervened, I was called as a witness and went all the way down to the High Court in Edinburgh. And yet, sitting in that court, the police came and told me she'd withdrawn all charges and gone back to him. A pattern that they said <clears throat> they saw repeated again and again. So, look, domestic violence is real and a scourge. If you're listening to this and you suffer from domestic violence, you do need to get help. Ironically, um, Sydney Anglicans have a very uh, an excellent help system. And you do need, and if, if you're listening to this and you're inclined towards abuse or, or you have ever abused or are tempted to abuse, don't. I mean, it's just, it really is as simple as that. And absolutely do not do it citing scripture as your authority. We don't have that right. But let me also say this. I'm so saddened at the response of so many in the church who, when given a report like this, just because they want to appear nice or because they don't want to challenge or because they understandably want to show that they are uh, against domestic violence, don't dig into the report, don't see what it's saying, and don't see the agenda behind it. No, it, it, it's, it's depressing in every way. But we, we look, we look to the one who brings that harmony between male and female and who brings the truth. Okay, let's go on to some world news. Hong Kong's long-standing democracy is dying. Its last pro-democracy newspaper is pulling the plug after hundreds of police raided its headquarters and arrested its top officials last week. Apple Daily is the name. It's been a relentless critic of China's Communist Party, which now effectively controls Hong Kong. CBS News was the only U.S. broadcaster inside... The Apple Daily started in 20th June 1995... We belong to Hong Kong, it said when it started. We are a newspaper for Hong Kongers. If Hong Kong falls, we are not going to survive. Well, 
two and a half decades later, they've not survived. Editor in jail, newspaper closing down. The owner, Jimmy Lai, arrested in April, and so on. What's going on in Hong Kong is absolutely horrendous. And again, what can be done about it? Or take Taiwan. Um, This is what I was saying before about wars. Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. Their chips are absolutely everywhere, although most of us don't know it. Right now, I'm almost, in fact, I am certain that I am using them, even as I record this, because they make almost all of the world's most sophisticated chips and the simpler ones too. They're in electronics, they're in cars, they're in computers, they're in iPhones, and almost all of them come from TSMC in Taiwan. They are the world's, by far, the world's most important semiconductor company. Uh, they have a, a, a market cap of around $550 billion. They are the world's 11th most valuable company. But because they are dominant and because we are so dependent on their products, then there is a real problem, especially if China invades Taiwan. Another situation, Sweden. Stefan Löfven, Sweden's prime minister, has lost a no-confidence vote in parliament. And right now he has to decide whether to hold snap elections or resign. Now, what's interesting about this is that his red-green coalition was voted down by the former communist left party, the far-right Sweden Democrats, and the right-wing moderate and Christian democratic parties. And they've gone. Things are not happy in paradise. And then uh, just a little bit of news on climate change. Uh, I was just intrigued with this very interesting statistic. The London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine claimed that 32 people die in London each year because of heat caused by climate change. What they didn't mention is that 32,000 people died from the cold in 2017-18 in London. Okay, I want us to each week maybe look at a different moral issue. And here's one in terms of language. Now, here's an introduction to a wonderful program called The Moral Maze, produced by the BBC. And this is one of their their latest programmes. Good evening. Sometime last century, I made a television documentary about my years as a BBC correspondent reporting on the final meltdown of apartheid in South Africa. It contained a long and terribly explicit sequence of a black man being butchered to death in front of me. The BBC didn't bat an eyelid. It also contained the F word a dozen times or so, powerfully in context, we thought. The bosses went through agonies. One F they might tolerate, but eleven. Meeting after meeting, as the highest panjandrums, the biggest editorial brains, bent themselves to the moral question of that day. What was an F too far? How things have changed, we've become markedly and measurably more foul-mouthed. The British Board of Film Classification has just done a survey that suggests most of us now regularly use bad language, up 30% since 2017, with young people five times more potty-mouthed than their parents. Words that, if overheard, would have caused my aunt to faint are now routinely used as noun, adjective, verb and adverb, sometimes all in the same sentence. Mind you, my aunt would have cheerfully used the N-word, not just about people of colour, but about the shade of her sweater or the name of her Labrador. Is swearing vulgar, corrupting and stupid, or powerful and linguistically enriching and perhaps even good for us? What are we to make of the constantly shifting vocabulary of offence? and the total lack of consensus on what is acceptable, even in what was once known as polite society. 
That's our moral maze tonight. The panel, Melanie Phillips, social commentator. Okay, what's wrong with swearing? I, I'm. I think the introduction, Michael Byrd's introduction on that program is absolutely correct. I think the prevalence of swearing has increased enormous, enormously. Um, I'm astounded in Australia at how much more people swear. Um, now, what does the Bible have to say about all that, and does it really matter? I found the program itself fascinating, but they could have done with some biblical wisdom. First of all, there's a kind of swearing which is blasphemy which no Christian should want, using, for example, Jesus' name as a cuss word. Then there are verses like Ephesians 3.10. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brother, these things ought not to be so. Swearing is often used in anger. Colossians 3.8. You must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. I'm sorry, all the sexual swear words. James 1.26, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. You can't control your mouth. It's not just a sign of an, in an inadequate vocabulary. It's a sign of a disordered heart. And then this from Jesus, Matthew 15.11, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. We live in a very defiled society, going by the language that is continually and constantly used. All right, I saw a fascinating article. The top 10 most expensive cities for expats to live. London, number 18. New York, number 14. Sydney, number 31. Amsterdam, number 44. Melbourne, number 59. This is in the world. Uh, Glasgow, 131. I, I didn't see Edinburgh in it. Belfast, 148. But the top 10... Let me count them down for you. These are the top 10 most expensive cities for expats to live in. Number 10, Bern. Number 9, Beijing. Number 8, Geneva. Number 7, Singapore. Number 6, Shanghai. Number 5, Zurich. Number 4, Tokyo. Number 3, Beirut. That surprised me. Number 2, Hong Kong. And number 1, I'm fairly certain that none of you will get. Here's the national anthem of the country of the most expensive city for expats to live in. That is Turkmenistan and its capital, and I'll be so impressed how many of you know this, Ashgabat. The great creation of Turkmenbasi, the native land, the sovereign state, forever the light and song of my soul, long live and prosper my Turkmenistan. Amazing country, six million people, two and a half times the size of Scotland. One of its cities, Merv, was once the biggest city in the world because it was on the, the trade route between the east and west. It has the fourth largest reserves of national gas in the world, which is why it's so expensive to live in. Ashgabat is a glitzy capital full of marble buildings, but the normal people struggle to afford even the basics like food and often queue for hours outside of shops to get hold of bread or flour. 
Yeah, it's very, very sad to see such a wealthy country being so corruptly run. And, and in a sense, Western companies going along with that. All right, let's say something about politics. Here in Australia, uh, Barnaby Joyce has become leader of the Nationals, the party who are in coalition with the Liberals. And for those in the UK, that means the Conservatives. Uh, Barnaby Joyce was had to resign because of a scandal where he had an affair with his secretary, ended up marrying her, um, leaving his wife. What's interesting about that is there is a fine Christian politician, one of the best Christian politicians in many, uh, uh, Australian politicians in many years, John Anderson. His podcast is wonderful. I've re- referenced it here. Then he was going to come back into politics, a former Nationals leader. And they've, in effect, turned him down. Extraordinary. In the UK, I listened to Ed Davey, the Lib Dem leader, talking about his party's by-election win and saying just two things that struck me. One was, he said that knocking on the door, people were saying a politician hadn't knocked on their door for 28 years. But that meant the Lib Dems hadn't done it. But then he said, the Conservative Party has forgotten conservative values, as if the Liberal Democrats, with their woke agenda, with their inability to tell us what a woman is, as if somehow they're upholding conservative values. And I just thought it was interesting because if you want a definition of hypocrisy, the Liberal Democrats voted for the HS2 new train uh, line in England. They voted for it. But in this by-election, they campaigned against it. I call that hypocrisy. Meanwhile, in Scotland, pray for Scotland because the euthanasia bill is coming back. Okay, we we have to continue with the the trans stuff. Um, Some good news. The German parliament has rejected two bills from the Greens concerning further changes to its transgender laws. Um, Spain has also rejected a similar bill. On the other hand, New Zealand's Laurel Hubbard has become... Uh, Laurel Hubbard is a man who now says he is a woman and he's now been selected for the women's weightlifting team. It is, bottom line, the end of women's sport if this continues. The Belgian weightlifter Anna van Bellingen, uh, competing in the same category, said it was unfair to women and like a bad joke. Indeed it is. That's why there's this wonderful organization, Google them, called Fair Play for Women, and I think they do a tremendous amount of good. And they're going to need to, because one of, (laughs) this is just incredible, one of um, uh, London's schools, top schools, St. Paul's Girls School, has said it's now going to refer to head of school instead of head girl. Why? I'm telling you, girls and women are being expunged from public society. In that regard, the Law Society has put out something which, is again, it just is incredible. Uh, telling its readers, who are lawyers, what pronouns are. If, if they don't know what pronouns are, they shouldn't be in law. And saying that uh, we should not have pronouns judging by someone's looks or their name. And we, there are a whole range of different pronouns. We've, we've spoken about this many times. All right, let's just have a little break for some music. It's good news week. Someone's dropped a bomb somewhere, contaminating atmosphere and blackening the sky. It's good news week. Someone's found a way to give the rotting dead a will to live, go on and never die. 
Have you heard the news? What did it say? Who's won that race? What's the weather like today? It's good news week. Lots of blood in Asia now. They butchered up the sacred cow. That's a 60s band called Hedgehoppers Anonymous. Um, a bit of an ironic song, but there was some great news, and I wanted to share this with you. Um, dengue fever cases, they've been cut by 77% because of the way that scientists have been able to manipulate the mosquitoes that spread it. Um, dengue fever has... Now there are up to 400 million infections a year and it, it causes severe pain in muscles and bones and it can overwhelm hospitals. And these mosquitoes are infected with something called the Wolbachia bacteria, which then, it doesn't harm the mosquito, but then when the dengue virus gets into it, the ba bacteria means that it doesn't infect people. It's, I just think that's great news. And then here's another interesting piece with, with, with COVID. Now, in COVID, what, the thing to remember is uh, in South America, I think it's 40% of COVID cases now in the world are in South America, which is just extraordinary. But where did it come from? There's this fascinating clip from the um, John Stewart on the Stephen Colbert show. Just listen to this. Perhaps there's a chance that this was created in a lab, there's an investigation. A chance? If there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. There's I don't a know. novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then they I, ask I, those scientists, they're like, how did this... So wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan... Respiratory coronavirus lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. <laughs> and you're like, no. I, you, you, the wait, name wait, of your lab. Wait. If you look at the name, look at the name. Can I, let me see your business card. Show me your business card. Oh, I work at the coronavirus lab in Wuhan. Oh, because there's a coronavirus loose in Wuhan. How did that happen? Like, come on. Okay, wait, okay, wait, wait, okay. Wait a second, wait a what second. about this? What about wait this? Listen to this. Wait a second. All right. John. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. What do you think happened? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe a steam shovel made it with a cocoa bean. Or it's the chocolate factory. Maybe that's it. That could be. Yeah, I think he makes the point really well. That could be. Okay, sport. Listen to this. Coca-Cola. And it is an extraordinary thing. Ronaldo at a press conference pushed aside a couple of bottles of Coca-Cola. And it is reckoned that that action alone wiped four billion off Coca-Cola as a company on the stock markets. Man, what a world. But somebody was celebrating. Grealish retrieving. Kane. Grealish. A lovely little ding. Ball is put into the back of the net by Raheem Sterling. And England lead the Czech Republic by a goal to nil inside 12 minutes. 
great goal, wasn't it? Dug the cross out really well, really. Sterling getting in there. He's looked really sharp at the start of this game. And it all started... That was Raheem Sterling. Uh, England have qualified. Sadly, uh, I did say I wouldn't mention it next week. We Scotland, we drew with England, but it wasn't enough because we went out to a glorious defeat to Croatia. Sterling, by the way, I really liked that He did an interview with um, Alistair Campbell in which he said that his faith was really important to him and he had no doubt that God exists. He's a, apparently a professing Christian. I wonder if this lady was. Listen to this. And all the time I still wanted to write. Not necessarily all the time did I want to write for children, but I wanted to write. And that was the only thing that I was really very any good at in my schoolwork, I think, writing, essay writing, story writing. Well, then it happened that I went to stay with a friend of mine in the country on a farm. I suppose I was about 17 then, 16 or 17. And this friend ran a Sunday school. And she said to me, would you like to come to me, to come with me to, to Sunday school? I said, what would I do? She said, well, perhaps you could tell the children stories. I said, Bible stories? She said, yes. I said, yes, I'd love to do that. So off I went to Sunday school. And I don't think I've ever been so happy in my life as I was that afternoon telling stories to these small children. That's Enid Blyton. Sold 600 million copies. Noddy, The Famous Five, The Mallory Towers, Secret Seven. Um, She's been cancelled in so many ways. I'll just leave Brendan O'Neill to comment. So much of culture uh, in the past was written or created by people who had different views to ours. And, you know, throughout history, there will have been people who were writers, musicians, politicians, who will have had different views about racial equality, different views about homosexuality. That's just what history is like. And I don't like this ethical cleansing of the past, this attempt to erase people from the past who are apparently problematic. So not only Enid Blyton, we've also seen David Hume, the great Scottish Enlightenment philosopher. He's been virtually cancelled at Edinburgh University because he had dodgy views on race. Uh, The Globe in London is currently poring over Shakespeare's plays to try and decolonize them and tease out the racial language. We've got to stop turning on these great figures from history and appreciate that they were writing at a specific time and value their culture rather than obsessing over their views. Okay, I'm running out of time, so I'm going to have to leave some stuff over till next week. But a couple of other things here. Astounded that the BBC are advertising for a job which excludes white people. Unbelievable. And that in Scotland, that's also in Scotland, by the way, and in Scotland, Hamza Yousaf, the new health secretary, uh, tweeted, the NHS workforce is beautifully diverse, representative of the communities they serve. We want to ensure our staff, including LGBTQ plus staff, are free from discrimination and prejudice at work. From today, the NHS Scotland Pride Badge will be worn by healthcare staff who've taken the pledge to show their support for LGBT plus communities. Well, I know lots of staff who are not wearing it and if Mr. Yusuf was really that keen on it, I would suggest that um, he would be encouraging the staff to wear the cross in, in support of the diverse number of Christians within the NHS. I doubt it, don't you? Okay, look, 
The greatest news of all is the gospel. I want you to listen to this from Alistair Beck. I heard this this week and I just thought, yes, 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 absolutely. If you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. And what an immense, I I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him. How did that shake out for you? Because you were, you were, you were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and yet, and yet you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, like, cause I don't know. Well, you know, we're, uh, did you, excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor, Angel. So we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are, you, are, you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> the guy said, I never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, uh, let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, on on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. (laughs) Now, now, that's the, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. Isn't Isn't that wonderful? You should listen to the whole sermon. But that, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. That's the only answer. Gonna love you and leave you. Uh, If you wanna, support quantum then just go to the podbean fundraiser please that's really appreciated uh news comments things you want me to have a look at please free feel free to email me the weefly at gmail.com but i'm going to leave you with this wonderful song uh, from someone who's called nightbird It really is quite extraordinary. I normally don't like these things, but this is just quite extraordinary. It's quite an extraordinary video. It's a song she wrote. um, She's got cancer. She's got a 2% chance of living. I know we hear these kind of stories, but it's just, it was, I found it incredibly moving. And not least, um, she expresses faith in God as well. And just, I just thought, what a great song so I'm going to leave you with it and see you next week oh day oh my now I can't hide said I knew myself but I guess I lied it's okay it's okay it's okay it's okay if you're lost we're all a little lost and it's all right it's okay it's okay it's okay it's okay if you're lost we're all But I burned them all Yeah, I burned them all
lights and don't look back at all I don't look back at all Looting all mine Now I can't hide Said I knew what I wanted But I guess I lied It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay If you're lost, we're all a little lost And it's alright It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay If you're lost, we're all a little lost And it's alright It's alright to be lost so